Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 130. We're here live. Uh, Altai joined this week by... Omer, as usual. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, we missed last week, guys. Uh, apologies for that. Technical issues. The power went out at my place. Uh, but we are back now. So, Omer, how was your uh, two-week break from the podcast? Uh, we, we missed a lot of fun things to talk about, so we can capture most of that stuff today. But more importantly, what have you been doing these last these last two weeks yourself? Oh, well, Anything exciting? Uh, exciting? Probably not. I've been just chilling in Vancouver. It, it was snowing today. I got some nice... Uh, I got really wet and distraught and cold in the in the snow i got caught out but uh gaming wise i've been playing uh the south park mobile game which i told you to play two weeks ago but i bet you still haven't even tried it i have not played it yeah when somebody recommends me a mobile game it's like so far down on my priority list okay like i have it downloaded right so i respect you enough to download your recommendation right it's on my phone i'll prove it to you it's on my phone if you want but it's just mobile games are so far down on my priority list i will eventually get to it all right you know the, i recall like three weeks ago or four you're like, oh, you should play Alchemia's, or was it Alchemia Story? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, Omar recommended it. I'll give it a shot. And I played it. Like, And the next day I got back to you. I'm like, oh, I played it for like an hour or two. I didn't like it. What do you think? And you're like, oh, I didn't play it yet. <laughs> this guy recommends me games. He hasn't even played it yet. I, I don't recommend it. I said you should try it. All right? Not like as cool. a recommendation, as like a maybe like the game just launched. I wrote about animals.com. I didn't actually want to play it. So I let you do that for me. You hold know? up, hold up, chat. All right. This guy, when someone says you should play X, is that not a recommendation? Like by default? No, that was that, that was a two professionals talking about the mobile game industry. All right, not a not a I recommend clearly. Uh-huh. All right, all right, good to know. <laughs> all right, but uh, I've been playing a bit of Maple Story this, uh, these last uh, since our Grindfest Friday too. I've been playing. Um, I played Maple Story as well. Uh, the yeah. Actually, what's funny is we actually had um, a cleaning service. Uh, come to our come to my come to our condo and and clean the place up, right? And I was so itching to play Maple Story, right? But the cleaning service is there for four hours, like five hours. Our place is obviously mega mega dirty. It's a tiny place. It took four hours to clean, or five hours to clean. And I was like, I really want to play Maple Story. But these, these two people are cleaning my house. These like two Spanish ladies are cleaning my house. They saw my my, my multi monitor setup, and they're like, holy shit, this guy's like this guy's doing some serious business, like programming something special on these multi monitors. He's, he's got amazing PC setup, right? And our place is really small, so like while they're cleaning, they can see it. So I, I wanted to play Maple Story. But I was too embarrassed. I was too embarrassed to play Maple Story because I felt I was going to be judged by the cleaning ladies. This is hilarious. Because then we talked about whether you know we should be embarrassed about spending money on on like cash shops or not in mobile games. But I actually just could not get myself to play this game, even though like they're not going to probably say anything, right? And like it just it would be so weird to see this full grown man on his computer full screen playing this maple story game with these cute as fuck cartoony characters you know that jumping up and down and killing mushrooms it just it just it's just so weird but i couldn't do it i was too embarrassed i don't i don't have this i don't have the i don't know maybe you know what? i talk to talk but i don't walk to walk i think i would have been in the same situation it's kind of like watching anime and then like your dad walks in you know those oh, scenes but like your as soon as your dad walks in there's just titties bouncing around you know anime titties that that happens in anime way too much it's a great you know there's a bunch of youtube uh, videos on that like everyone walks in always anime titties bouncing around but it, and there are other games like that as well like games like luna online some of your chat matches that like, you couldn't like you literally can't play some of these games with other people judging you and, and they walk and they just look at you like and, and they don't have to say anything but like they look at your screen and they see it you instantly feel judged yeah but i have a level uh 90 kadena i've played that quite a bit the other night 
Uh, there's no there's there's burning event going on for MapleStar right now, by the way, guys. And we want to play, so you gain three levels instead of one. But it doesn't work on any of the new characters, so it doesn't work on Kadena or the new Loom class coming out soon. So I made a Mercedes as well, only because you get the cross link skills. I got to level sixty playing that on the burning event last night. And I'm actually eager to play uh, later tonight too. Okay, so you actually reminded me of a funny story uh, related to podcast too. So I was at dinner with uh, you know normal people yesterday, you know, with real jobs, and uh, one of the one of the guys. He's like 60. He says to his uh, uh, girlfriend, oh, you know, Erhan, he, he runs a podcast. Like, and then, and, then, and then the girlfriend was so impressed. Oh, wow. Like, oh, about what, what, what is it about? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, oh. New games and anime titties. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh. I said like something like online gaming or something. Like, it was very vague. You should, you should, say, you should have said digital media entertainment. Yeah. All yeah, right? yeah, right. I should have something the like that. The cross-section between the future and media. Ooh. All right, just, just say some bullshit like that, and then boom, you'll be a sophisticated individual. The best part? In an art gallery. Well, this guy was the owner of an art gallery. Ooh. So this was a, this was a highbrow, classy crowd, guys. So, Well, that was fun. I, I, yeah, so it was actually related to the podcast, so that's fun. <laughs> I run a podcast. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, with our, with, our, with our entire, like, 80 to 120 people that watch us, we're mm. kind of a big deal, guys. Hold up, hold up. These are, these, this is a big deal, right? You guys, these guys, a lot of these, we have a lot of regulars, actually. So I am very happy about that. The average IQ of our viewers is at least 200. And they're all remarkably classy individuals. All right? And with that, we should maybe take it to our weekly raid. We got a little sidetracked, but... All right, back on schedule. Back on schedule. All right, this one was actually uh, inspired by a discussion on Discord that we had just before we started streaming uh and uh uh it is called will 2018 be the year of console mmos now mmos are not new to consoles we way back in 2000 uh japan gave us fantasy star online for dreamcast uh here in the west we got a game called everquest online adventures back in uh 2003 so i don't want to say uh we didn't we never had mmos on console but it's clearly been a, a genre that f- favors pc you know, mm-hmm. you have to always be online. There's always updates, whereas consoles are more known for like packaged, you know, finished discs. Um, but I do feel now, especially with more and more uh, console gamers going online, basically everyone who has a console these days plays online, right? Mostly shooters, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a lot more uh, MMOs on console, both old games getting ported and new games like Destiny 2 coming out. So, and I really. Whoa, whoa. Th- yeah, go ahead. Destiny 2 is not an MMO, apparently. They don't call it an MMO. I still, that, that's a whole other dar- uh, argument, though. It's an MMO. All right. It's an MMO. It's confirmed. MMOs.com says you're an MMO. You're an MMO. That's true. It's in the name. You can't argue with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, this year, we got a lot of games like Skyforge that went to uh, consoles. And next year, is going to be even bigger. We got huge games like uh, Black Desert, Terra coming to consoles. Uh, it's based, I'm pretty, I think almost every semi-popular PC MMORPG is going to make its way to console next year or maybe the year after that. But it's it's going to happen. What do you think? And perhaps even more than that. I think um, when Neverwinter launched on console, they had such a big player base on there. They were very early on on the console embracing. And just by launching being one of the first free-to-play games on consoles, they attract a pretty sizable audience. I know DC Universe Online is on console as well. The game's PC player base is declining, but we don't really know the console player base. But I, I, I'd wager the console player base is much higher. Because there still isn't that many games, like free-to-play MMORPGs on console. In fact, there just really aren't that many free-to-play games, period, on console compared to PC. 
which is how many of these games are out there. And just simply because there's narrower choice, those games that do exist on there are more popular, and the new ones that come out will, will be more popular because they have less competition. I mean, you mentioned the uh, new games coming out as well. I mean, Black Desert Online is probably the premier MMORPG of the last year or so. I mean, the game is one of the most popular, you know, MMORPG launches of the last like two years, and the game is doing really well, on, really well on PC. And the way the game is, any action MMORPG, I think it would translate really well to console. I think I'm so confident too. actually that it's remarkable on Xbox. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, yeah, I remember, I recall earlier this year in an interview, one of the heads of uh, Elder Scrolls Online. He was mentioning he didn't want to give numbers on the player base, but he said that it's about evenly split one third on PC, one third on PlayStation, and one third on Xbox, which means mm-hmm. two thirds of the players are on console. So, uh, and and I know ESO got a lot of, sh- uh, you know, got shat on uh, a lot when it released, but now it's a pretty big game, guys. It, it, it's constantly updated. It's still going with expansions, and you know whether you like it or not, it is it is a pretty big uh, current MMORPG at the moment. I mean, the game gets about 20,000 peak current users in the last 24-hour period. That's pretty phenomenal. That's only I on mean, Steam, remember. And and that's only a that's portion amazing. of the PC player base. And remember, PC players are only a third of the total player base. Okay, and that's insane. So let's, let's, why don't we try to digest this number for, for a moment? Because I think I think the entire MMORPG industry has gotten a bit jaded about MMORPG being dead. And let's look at Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim. Uh, uh, now Skyrim. Elder Scrolls Online, right? <laughs> yeah. Elder- Otherwise, it's Skyrim. It gets about 12,000 peak current 24 hours. Okay, so let's look at just this one game. Okay, and you said it's about only a third of the player base. And yeah. this, these are just Steam numbers, yeah. not even the standalone numbers. So we'll say about 15,000 24-hour peak. 15? The all-time peak is about 30,000. The okay. all-time peak is 30,000. Let's look at the all-time peak number for a moment. So maybe if you add in consoles, that number may be up to 80,000 or so, right? And people are saying MMORPGs are dead as an industry. But I think the way we look back at the past about the, you know, the, the golden years of MMORPGs with EverQuest, Ultima Online, Dark Age of Camelot, right? These these old games. Back then, people said, oh, MMORPGs were alive, they were booming. It was a great period. But I, I have a question to ask the audience, and, and you as well. Do you know how many people played EverQuest during its absolute peak? I believe, what was the peak concurrent usage for EverQuest 1? I don't know that. I know they peaked at a million subscribers. But I don't know the actual... Yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's a big number. A million subscribers yeah. paying monthly to play EverQuest, yeah, yeah, right? I don't know the online numbers. Yeah. In a world we look at buy-to-play and free-to-play games, you know, and nobody shares subscription numbers either. We look at concurrent users. That's a good metric of how many people are actually playing the game. Yeah. So I looked it up. Okay. Yeah. You know, and if you, if you look back at the old EverQuest press releases, Sony has all their press releases archived. So there's the old press release. For, I believe this is the peak of EverQuest. Let me just see if I can share that with you. It's actually pretty pretty interesting. And drop that in podcast share for you. And I wanted to look at the the peak time that everybody used to like dream of, you know, the gush over. And this is EverQuest continues exponential growth after four years with a record-setting 118,000 simultaneous users. So this is the absolute most players that ever logged into EverQuest at one time. It was 118,000. And let's look at one game, Elder Scrolls Online, which has 30,000 all-time peak. And that's not even probably the best example. You know, if you look on Steam charts today, Path of Exile, I believe, has um, what 40,000. Steam people on Path Path of Exile uh, peak of tw- of 24 hours was 51,000, and that's just on Steam. Yep. It doesn't even count the console version of the game. So we always harken to these olden days, but the reality is even a game like Path of Exile has probably similar numbers to the peak concurrent users of literally the second most popular MMORPG in the world. I think after World of Warcraft, the next most subscription MMORPG might have been, you know, at the time, definitely uh, EverQuest. So the MMORPG genre isn't dead. I think what's really changed over this time period is really just we have so many more choices yeah. and so much more our, our player base that plays and most is so much more diffused than ever back then you played everquest you played ultima dark into camel maybe one other game that's it 
Now you go to Steam alone, there's like 100 free-to-play games on Steam. Yeah, it's so and fragmented. RPGs. It's so fragmented, the, uh, the player base. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, did you, you know, could you have guessed or, you know, uh, is, no. is that number surprising to you that there's only 118,000? Very surprising. I thought it would be at least at least 200K, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, 118,000. And remember, this was this was across, um, a ver uh, I would say, maybe a dozen servers at least, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I, Probably more than that. And I remember reading um, back uh, in Vanilla WoW, the max players per server was 2,000. And that was a hard cap. If there was 2,000 people logged in, you couldn't log into that server. But, you know, I was kind of also of this belief that MMORPGs were kind of dying in the West, right? Because you read, you read something so much, even if it's not true, it kind of starts to sink in. You know, I read RMORPG often. I talk to people on the MMOs.com Discord. I talk to a lot of friends. And everyone's kind of like kind of pessimistic on MMOs in the West. And I started becoming a bit more pessimistic too. So when I actually read this number for EverQuest, I realized, holy fuck, MMOs aren't dead. They're still growing. You know, Path of Exile alone is, is all-time peak on Steam is about 100,000. Like, this game alone, if you count the people off Steam, plus people playing on console, is already more popular than the peak of the second most popular MMORPG, like, you know, with over a million subscribers back in the day. That was not the golden days. I think the golden days are now, or maybe even a few years you know, ago, maybe. Whoa, so whoa, whoa, games whoa, aren't whoa, dead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Golden days, I think, is like, wow. Because WoW really took the, the, you know, the, the concurrent player base to a new level, I think. But do we know the concurrent player base for World of Warcraft? I don't think they've ever, they've ever shared that number. I don't know. You're a good point. That's a good. That's a good uh, article to research and see where. I'm pretty sure no, no game, no MMORPG has surpassed that though. Whatever number they did come up with. But no MMORPG. Why would never share that number? You know, all we know is uh, if, if we if we extrapolate from um, EverQuest, EverQuest had about a million, a bit over a million subs. Yeah. And they had um hundred thousand. Yeah. Let's just say hundred thousand for a million, right? Yeah. So if about a million players online would be for World of Warcraft, probably. Yeah. They have 10 million. They have a bit more than that, too. But the numbers get very funky when you look at China because the way they counted subscribers with Chinese data, it was very weird. So I think they probably peaked at about a million or so concurrent users. Mm -hmm. It's still good, right? But it puts the number into more context as well. I mean, even a game like PUBG gets like 3 million concurrent users, which is absolutely nuts. But MMORPG-wise, nothing's going to quite touch World of Warcraft. But World of Warcraft isn't dead. Those MMORPG players are still playing. Yeah. But this idea that MMORPGs are dead kind of implies people aren't playing MMORPGs anymore, which I think uh, reading about these facts about EverQuest 1 kind of reinforced that belief to me that MMORPGs aren't dead, people are just delusional, and nobody looks back at old data. That, that, that's what I learned. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good lesson. I'm, I'm going to save this article, actually, and, and this press release and read it after the yeah. podcast myself. That was the peak. After that, they released, after that, I think they stopped announcing concurrent numbers, and numbers have dipped after 2003. That's always the case, right, guys? Like, once... You know, you know, a game is peaked when they stop announcing new numbers, because mm -hmm. the, you know, like even WoW did this. Like when WoW, um, WoW made an announcement that they're not gonna, they're not gonna reveal subscription numbers anymore. And why would they do that if, if numbers were still going up? That's obviously just doing it because they're going down. Do you think World of Warcraft will come out to consoles to go back to the weekly raid real quick? That's actually something. Like, I why hasn't that been on there? I I've thought of that a lot, and the only thing I can think of is, is it hasn't declined enough yet. If it if, if if it goes down, if it keeps going down, they will, for sure. But, but why not? Like Final Fantasy XIV has embraced like it's a relatively new game. But I mean, not that it, new. It, but it came out but on consoles to begin with. Yeah, but that's, that's different than porting it. But it's weird that they still haven't done it. It just seems like another market that's untapped for WoW. Like why not get the player base on there? I mean, Blizzard, they, they, Activision Blizzard, they own Call of Duty, doing a bunch of other franchises. They see how many people that you know play on consoles with their other games. They will do it. It seems kind of odd. They will definitely I mean, do it. Elder Scrolls Online is a beautiful example. They have one third of their player, two thirds of their player base on consoles, right? Because one third is on PC. One-thirds on Xbox, one-thirds on PS, right? Yep. 
I, I so think just to there. I think they will do it for sure before like Wow shuts down or anything. They will do it. I mean, uh, Path of Exile is on console as well. Yeah. But while actually researching, um, I actually came about that EverQuest number while researching. Uh, I'm, I'm writing an article about how much MMORPGs actually cost to make, and I feel like this is um, this is an interesting topic as well. I mean, I don't want to get too far into this because the article is not done yet. But that's how I discovered the EverQuest number because I was looking for the budget. EverQuest costs about three million to five million dollars to make based on uh, there was there was based on interviews with some of the people that worked at Sony. That's, that seems on the low end because people always perceive MMORPGs to be this unbelievably expensive thing. I think you mentioned before, Dark Age of Camelot only took $2.5 million to make. Mm-hmm. And you famous, you know, the, the Black Desert Online thing that they made the engine for $1 million. This is also yep. unbelievably amazing. So while looking through this, I found um, some interesting stat about World of Warcraft because I would talk about WoW just now. But the game took about $63 million to make. Uh, the vanilla version, up in the, between uh, from when the game launched to like three or four years after the game launched. The total cost of running World of Warcraft was about like sixty-three million. So this this number, right? Mm-hmm. And what's what's amazing about that figure is that this this was brought up in a Q and A session with um, Activision uh, Blizzard at the time, or Vivendi at the time, whoever you know owned Blizzard, and they mentioned that the and one of the analysts asked them what was the greatest expense. This this like what is the biggest part of this expense of the sixty-three million dollars? And most people would think making expansions, right, adding content. But do you know what they said? Servers. Nope. No. Customer support. Wow. Customer support is a bigger part of the ongoing maintenance of an MMO than the cost of making new content. At least this was back in 2004 to a few years after that, which I think is is pretty stunning. It is stunning. And uh, I believe it because I was talking to somebody who was in customer service and, you know, the guys who do the chat support, you know, like with, uh, with, like your, uh, with your internet company or whatever. Mm-hmm. Imagine like an eight-hour workday. That's a full day, right? If you do like between eight and twelve call, like sessions a day, that's like a normal work- workload. So some guy's getting a full-time salary, right, to like to have eight chats going on all day. So if you hire Americans to do your tech support, you would need so many people. Like you would need like why would need thousands of people working for them to handle the tech, uh, you know, customer support. Oh. Yeah, that's a resub for uh, half a year. Holy moly! Big mucho appreciated pistol. Yeah, that just to clarify the data as well. That was uh, how much has WoW cost Blizzard since two thousand four? Was the article on uh, Kotaku, and it was citing the 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 call. Uh, two hundred million dollars was the total cost. That sixty three million dollars was the cost of making uh, vanilla WoW. The figure was two hundred million dollars was the total cost of running World of Warcraft. Literally everything we're talking about: game development, servers. Customer support everything for four years since it launched, including all the expansion and everything else. So between 2004 and 2008, Blizzard has shelled out $200 million uh, running and maintaining and updating World of Warcraft. And of that number, customer service was the largest largest expense. Interesting. It's insane. It is insane. Yeah, I, I never knew that. And I'm so glad I'm writing this article because I'm, I'm, you know, this, I actually learned a lot just coming to this data. It's just a really interesting perspective on it because we, we always kind of assume that making the game making the engine and doing all this other shit is the expensive part but customer service is so expensive i mean let's look at a game like star citizen or any of these crowdfunded games you know uh Chronicles of valyria or any of the crowdfunded games too like how much money are they spending on, on on like pr on like star citizen puts out weekly videos on like these like you know they do podcasts and stuff on like what's happening in the star citizen universe and that's obviously resource being diverted from making the game and the game is even out yet. So customers, it's not even about customer service. It's about all this other alt ancillary stuff, all this other bullshit going on. So it's it's really bizarre. You know, you would think all this money goes towards development, but no, it, that's not the biggest expense. 
Yep. And, but but uh, success kind of breeds more spending elsewhere because once your game is successful, you know the product works, you're going to hire support. But if the product is not doing yes. well, you're just going to ignore people who call in for support. <laughs> so it's like and a luxury. I think Blizzard always has had pretty good customer uh, support. I, I don't know anyone that's, you know, dealt with Blizzard support that's been really bad. Yeah. Unless, of course, you know, you contact them saying, I got fucking banned in Overwatch. I didn't do anything wrong. And then they cite like the, the 10 things you did wrong. And then and then you cry and you delete your post on, on Reddit. I actually got my WoW account banned because while I was not while I was dormant, so, some some botter must have used it, right? I was banned. Mm-hmm. But I just sent them an email. They wanted my ID. And then they unbanned me. Uh, it was very simple. So they do have good support. I think I dealt with... Uh, also, it's, it's a subscription and more PJ as well. So I think the support by nature will be better. Yeah. I mean, I remember I ran into an issue in Final Fantasy XIV. Being able to contact the GM in-game immediately to resolve my issue is like, holy shit, like, support exists. I feel like... I feel like if I ran into an issue in MapleStory, just, it just, I'm not even going to bother contacting support. Because like, I know I'm not going to get responded to like in weeks. It's just going to be like, it's not even worth it. Like No matter what happens, it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with support in a, in a free-to-play game. It's, it's going to be terrible. But luckily, you really do need to contact support anyway for most games. So it's not that big of a deal. I know I derailed this a bit from, uh, from consoles, but I thought this was a fascinating look. And I'm not done with the article yet, by the way. Um, I'm looking at how much other MRPGs cost as well, not just these old-school games like... People have this weird perception that like new games cost so much money, which is why Star Citizen needs $170 million. That's why, you know, Chronicles of Lyra needs these millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot of data. I mean, about some of the Korean games as well, and some Chinese games. I know, uh, for example, all the X-Legend games, whether it's Aura Kingdom, Twin Saga, they're all published by Area Games. But fortunately, the company that makes those games is a company called X-Legend. And they're actually publicly traded in, uh, in Taiwan, and they publish financials. And you can actually take their R&D budget, and then you can divide it by how many games were released that year, and you get a pretty good estimate of how much it costs to make Aura Kingdom, and how much it costs to make Twin Saga. You know, these games that we play here in the West, and I mean, obviously, they're not a grand scale MMORPG like maybe Black Desert or World of Warcraft, but you know, it'll give us an idea that you can make these games for, you know, millions of dollars, not like tens of millions. I think there's this is weird distortion that like MMORPGs have to cost a lot of money. That's why, you know, uh, wow. Crowfall is up to like I don't know how many millions are up to yeah. now too, and it's interesting whatnot. though you're doing a, you're doing some heavy duty research there. I look forward to reading uh, about X Legends uh, costs. I, I I suspect they're going to be relatively low. Like yes, okay. it's going to be a lot lower than you think. Okay, it's, it's, it's be in the low millions or maybe you know around there. Versus where does perception come from though that MRPG is just so fucking expensive? Uh, I think Star Wars: uh, The Old Republic. Sank I've the had ship. I've had I've had that message as well in my mind for a long time, but I, I just don't think it's true. Yep. I think everything costs a lot if you're just bad at it. You know, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, I, you, you mentioned Star Citizen, and I'm ready to jump right to that subject. I'm excited. So one of the bigger stories last week, which we didn't get to talk about because of my power, power outage, was this one. Crytek sues Star Citizen for breach of contract, copyright infringement. Uh, so as you guys know, Crytek are the guys behind CryEngine, and they are taking uh, Star Citizen, the studio behind it, to court. Uh, they hired a, a legit you know, uh, law firm. This is not like a frivolous suit. And uh, they contend that they actually were the ones who made a lot of the original material for Star Citizen. They helped with that, um, the first trailers, the first deck demos, that was all built on CryEngine by Crytek, okay, for, uh, as promotion for the Star Citizen project, which they wanted to write on because they had a deal with uh, Star Citizen that they would use the CryEngine uh, and they would get a discounted rate uh, for using it because you know they thought Star Citizen was a huge game. It was going to make a lot of publicity for Crytek. So anyway, the deal was you got to use CryEngine, and we're going to give it to you cheap. Later, as we as we know, Star Citizen ditched CryEngine, and now they're using Amazon Lumberyard. 
Uh, and that apparently is a breach of contract because they are licensed and they agreed to only use Cry uh, CryEngine. So this seems like a pretty big deal. What are your, what are, what are your thoughts on this uh, lawsuit? I, I think it's pretty pretty shocking. Like, obviously, we can't begin to weigh the, the entire merits of this argument. There's, anytime there's a lawsuit or some kind of complaint going on, I always see people jump to like one side or the other. And it seems really ridiculous because there's a lot of facts we don't know. Like We have to hear the other side of the story as well. So if you look at the actual complaint, it's 15 pages. And we obviously hear all the complaints from Crytek's side. Like Obviously, if you just read that, you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is Star Citizen doing? They must be you know, complete scammers. But like, you have to take the other side as well. I and mean, we have to read both documents when they're out. And even then, like we're not privy to all the information. This has to go through the court process. However, there's one thing that's a bit glaring and really weird and bizarre: is the complaint that Star uh, that uh, Crytek made that Star Citizen removed the CryEngine logo or splash screen from Star Citizen, which is a breach of the license terms. Yeah. Very often, when you license, when you use an engine, whether it's Unity, whether it's CryEngine, whether it's Unreal, you have to show their logo on the splash screen when the game launches. Or if you pay more money. You don't have to show the logo. So it's like you want to get the cheaper version, you show the logo. You want to get the more expensive version, you don't have to show the logo. And it looks like for a long time, Star Citizen did have that logo showing on that page. It's, it's visible. You know, if you launch the game, it was there. And then they just got rid of it, which seems really bizarre. Like, yeah, why couldn't they? Why, why remove it? Or if you go to remove it, why not just pay more money for the licensed version that doesn't have to show that, that splash screen? And we're not talking a lot of money. If I remember correctly, I think with Unreal, with uh, with um. Unity. Unreal 4, maybe it's like $10,000 extra. Oh. Unity is like $10,000 extra. At most, a couple hundred thousand. At most, it's typically not that much more money. So you think with a company that raised $170 million, like, do they need more crowdfunding? Is, they couldn't afford to pay for the, the higher version, of the, the more expensive version of the engine? Like, are, are they short on funds? It seems bizarre. I suspect... Okay, guys, this is going to give you some perspective on how long Star Citizen has been in development. Until mm -hmm. recently, engines... Well, even today, I think, after, after a certain threshold... Engines don't just get an upfront like ten uh, thousand or whatever. They get a percent of royalties. So I think what happened, and this is my speculation, guys. I think what happened is the initial deal with CryEngine and Star Citizen was, okay, you, you guys have to pay us very low upfront, but we get a cut of revenue, a small cut of revenue. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Star Citizen didn't want to pay that, like that cut of revenue, because right now the lawsuit is taking account of the 140, 170 million that Star Citizen raised. Crytek says that should count as revenue. <clears throat> for the for, for the terms of the engine agreement okay because it's money you got from players right so mm -hmm. it's revenue uh and obviously a judge and lawyers and stuff will have to figure all this out i have no idea what the uh end result will be but it is it is pretty interesting interesting actually i mean another complaint was uh chris roberts said that we don't call when the player was Chris Roberts publicly sought to minimize Crytek's contribution to Star Citizen, saying that we don't call uh, the video game engine CryEngine anymore. We call it the Star Engine. So they got pissed off about that as well. Obviously, they want their name out there too. Yeah, and I, actually, they even Crytek even says that they they reached out and said, "Hey, you stopped using our logo. Pay us the difference for the updated license, like the version that doesn't require." Mm -hmm. And they just ignore that. That's pretty funny. That just seems insane. Again, it just seems weird that they couldn't just pay that difference. I, 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 I kind of look up the cost of the, the version of the of the engine without the without the logo. I, I can't imagine it'd be like that much more expensive. I, I, but here's the thing: the agreement was inked in 2011 or something. Mm -hmm. So I think that the the market for game engines has changed substantially since then. Because I think there's a lot of competition now between Unity and Unreal, and it's driving the, the uh, uh, what's it called royalties and the upfront costs down a lot. So I think Star, mm -hmm. Star Citizen just realized they can get a way better deal with Lum Amazon Lumberyard. 
they agreed to an older agreement. So who knows what's going to happen in court? Uh, more importantly, though, this can do, if this, if this you know doesn't get settled, the cool thing about this, even if you don't really care about the the CryEngine logo the complaint bullshit, is that it's gonna be it's gonna lead to a lot of documents being filed in uh, public records because you know, in lawsuits you gotta file documents and, and case records, and those are usually public. So whether it's financials, stuff is gonna come out. So it, I think it's gonna be good for if they do go to court, it's gonna be good for the game. I mean, it might reinforce. I mean, it might be good or it might be terrible depending on what comes out. But they're gonna have to file some information, and I think. Uh, Perhaps CryEngine is playing a different game where they maybe realize that they don't. Maybe they're going to realize Star Citizen doesn't want to take it to court and they don't want to reveal their financials. They don't want to reveal all these public documents or these other documents that may, might become public. So maybe they get more uh, more pressure on them to settle out of court. I mean, regardless, we're going to see some good drama. Yeah, a bit of drama unfolding in front yeah. of us. So we're, get that popcorn ready. We're going to get a lot of, like you said, financials on what's going on with Star Citizen, which could be good or bad for the project. But I think as gamers, it's good because we're going to get the truth. Whether, whether the truth is good or bad. Uh, at least you know we get to see it now. Now, do you know? Um, do you know who's celebrating this this bit of news? Yes, I do. Derek Smart, and it is from him that I I actually heard about the story on Twitter the day he uh, published it. He mm-hmm. he is loving it. He's been writing. You know, he's doing like podcast appearances on um, on YouTube channels. I, I saw I actually watched one. Uh, so he, really, he's he's doing all these podcast appearances now too. Yeah, yeah, he's still talking about uh, Star Citizen. Now I hate to. Um, to share this on stream but i'm going to share it on stream because it, it, it's safe for work but it's a bit ridiculous we actually have um we actually have a picture of of um of mr derek smart in front of his computer as soon as this news <laughs> broke out all right this is a rare glimpse into mr mr smart himself as soon as he heard that star Wars was getting sued oh man if, if this is him just when the lawsuit gets announced imagine if uh star citizen like gets shut down Th- then he's just gonna explode like it's, it's, forget it then it's over his brain it's, just it's, after that <laughs> And uh, and it just it is really weird to see how much this guy hates Star Citizen. I mean, the, the the amount of hate is is ridiculous. I mean, he 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 basically made his online persona over the last like six years, crusading against Star Citizen. Nah, I, like two yeah. years, not six. Two years, maybe I don't know, three, maybe five. Two years, we'll say. Yeah, uh, it's pretty silly. But I do want to say, guys, there are no good there are no good uh, sides in this lawsuit because uh, mm-hmm. Cry and Crytek itself has been wobbling lately. They've been uh, basically a disaster actually for past two years uh i think they went all in on vr which didn't really work out they had they had some trouble paying their uh employees they stopped paying their employees for a while they shut down like half of their studios they're, wow. they're down to just three studios now one in istanbul one in uh ukraine kiev and the main one in germany uh, they used to have a whole bunch of studios and i think they're just low on cash i think i think they have to sue now and uh one reason i know they're low on cash is because they're jumping on the bullshit train uh they are actually backing a cryptocurrency called CryCash. Now, there's two weird things about this. One, uh, all these I- they're doing something called an ICO, Initial Coin Offering. So they're piggybacking on the Ethereum hype. And how it works is you can send CryTech, or CryCash in this case, you can send them one Ethereum, which costs about 800 bucks. If you send them one Ethereum, well, I should say you can send them 0.001 Ethereum for one of their CryCash tokens. Mm-hmm. So that comes out to about $0.08. Cents uh, per token and uh they claim these tokens can do something in the game or in future games not even the current games basically they have a huge like 20 page white paper and it's basically a get rich quick scheme basically they want give us your money and then these tokens are going to be worth way more in the future uh if you guys know anything about bitcoins now is like the time to be hyped about this shit apparently i'd recommend you don't give them your money uh lord british tried doing this too uh earlier this year he partnered with never die Never die coins. Never die coins, which is another uh, bullshit 
Bitcoin uh, proposal. So what do you so obviously this is shady as hell. And the second thing that makes it shady is it's so obvious this is a crytech led venture. But they mm -hmm. want to keep it at arm's length. They made it very clear that they're just a sponsor of CryCash, even though the name is CryCash. If you go to the website, it's literally plastered with CryTech, CryEngine, War, you know, all the all the logos for uh CryTech, you know, IPs. These are all CryEngine games, the CryTech games. So they're the only sponsor. It's, this is clearly run by CryTech, but they still want to keep it like it's separate because they know it's going to go, you know, if it doesn't if it goes south and they don't make any money and they just scam people, they don't want to be like responsible for it. Uh, anytime you've seen these initial coin offerings, these hype trains, everyone's trying to ride that Bitcoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrency wave. And seeing these, um, like the first first one you mentioned was a Nevadai, which is partnered with Lord British for uh, Shroud the Avatar and other other projects. That one was the most, you know, absurd of the absurd. You know, back back when we talked about that, their their white paper, the the Nevadai one, talked about creating one billion VR jobs. Yep, like one billion. There's like there's like seven billion people in the world. world. And apparently, one billion of them will be working for VR jobs in, in the distant future, for uh, because of, because of Nevadai coins or some bullshit. That was the most absurd. Obviously, I think the Crytek one is, is is a little more legitimacy. There's more, you know, there's more of a legit company behind it. However, I think it's. I know you wrote an article. You you firmly believe that 100% of ICOs are scams. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much agreed with you on that one. I think these ICO you stay away from these these initial coin offerings. These 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 bullshit. You know, if you want to speculate on. On Ethereum, on Bitcoin, God bless you know. But just know you're speculating. But if you're buying into these bullshit uh, coin offerings, you're getting involved with something much more, much more shady, much more, much more silly. And the way you describe the relationship between Crycash and Crytech about being partners but not being the same company, yeah, it, that also kind of shows that they don't want to commit to it 100. If any legal ramifications come out, they don't, they want to have a legal separate entity. So that makes it even more sketch. Yeah, and if you look at the website, like there's the homepage, guys. Uh, here's the thing. Here's a trick if you want to run your own uh, ICO scam. You need a .io address. All right, don't forget. That's so here's our here's a little chart. Let's try to make heads or tails of this, all right? Mm -hmm. So apparently, uh, if you play a game that supports CryCash, if you get 100 kills, you get three CryCash tokens. Now, what a kill is is different from, different from game to game. So it's a meaningless stat, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's apparently 2 billion gamers in the world. And then, uh, so that, that leads to a cryptocurrency exchange. And then, you know, that leads to the side where you got the Plink wallet account. And then you got some Wardface in-game items. Like, what's, <laughs> and then what, what is going on? Like, what, I mean, the, it's basically a thinly disguised, you know, get rich quick scam. Like, they actually just want to give them money. And then you're going to get these tokens. And then some people in the future are going to want these tokens for more money. That, that seems to be, like, the, the plan here. Yeah, I'm looking at their white paper right now. They're just showing charts of like the, the size of the video game industry. Yeah, it just seems uh, odd. Yeah, this is this is odd. Uh, actually, there was one. There's one uh, thing in this white paper I love more than anything else. But I, I don't understand. Like, the, like maybe 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 I'm uh, I'm not understanding the this this whole blockchain nonsense. All right, I mean I'm involved, I'm following Bitcoin and stuff. But like, why do they need to have like this currency? Like, why can't they just have their own like? Why even use this Ethereum network or, or this this blockchain technology when when you can just have like centralized data on your own like between these games anyway? Like, what is the benefit of making this like on the blockchain versus just an agreement between multiple games? Because blockchain is in right now. Okay, if you look at this <laughs> white paper, right? They say thir okay, thirty percent of the money they raise in Ethereum to issue these tokens, thirty percent will be used to buy back their own tokens they're selling you now. Wow. And and here's the best That's... part. They misspelled buyback. They spelled it B Y U back. 
if you guys can see and, that. And actually, if you look at the, the CryCache ecosystem on uh, page, I think, six of their white paper, they talk about you, you can use your CryCache to make bets on esports. Oh, so you can cash out the real money. Gambling. So nice. gambling. Yeah. So, online gambling is illegal in, in like in, in America. And this is this just seems like a weird way to circumvent that. And they're, they're advertising that as one of the reasons you want to get involved with CryCash. Okay. So Honestly, it just seems like such a – like Cry, CryTech was a kind of a legit company for a long time. And this kind of seems like – I don't know. It seems like a, it really lowers my opinion of them. Like they, they, were, they were a legit company. They made legit games. Now they're getting they're getting in on the bandwagon of this get rich get rich quick scheme of speculating on on these on these coins. Oh yeah, and and if you've uh, been involved in the scene, like if you read the uh, Never Die Token white paper or any of these white papers for these icos, the, the templates all the same. They got these charts going everywhere, and then at the end they have the executive team, like as if these random guys who got together and just popped this out are executives or anything. Mm-hmm. So here's the here's the CEO's name. I love his name. I can't even pronounce this. Washtang. Buddha Gash Chiwili. That's his name. I, 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 I take my money. I trust him. He's got a fancy name. Well, he's not even that bad. This guy is bad. Look look at this guy's uh, avatar. <laughs> he looks like Jesus or something. Hmm? Sandro Kivlizis. <laughs> uh. so they're also talking about how the CryCash legal entity itself will be a, will be profitable and making more money. It's kind of kind of to, to build on the fact that the CryCash will be worth more money because the CryCash legal entity is going to be making profit off this too somehow. So it, it just seemed like this weird. It just seems like this really weird, get rich quick nonsense scheme. Yeah, I I recommend you just stay the hell away from. I trust this man with my money, Sandro here. He knows what's up. <laughs> and I think uh, token sale begins on December. Should token sales already they, they end on January fifteenth. Yeah, they already started. So if you guys want, you can give Crytek your money right now. Um, they've already sold three hundred twenty-one thousand uh, tokens. Is there is there a marketplace for these tokens? I, I know that they will be eventually, but uh, I can't I can't see it right now. When I put the article up, I believe yesterday or the day before, they were not on Coin Market Cap, so they were not big mm-hmm. enough for that. I don't know what well because remember each one is only eight cents uh, in yeah. value, and they only issued three hundred thousand. But we'll see where they there'll go. Be, there'll, be, there'll be a market for them eventually, but maybe next week we'll see uh, how much they've fallen already. Yep, yep. So again, in this Cry Crytek versus Star Citizen lawsuit. There are no good sides, guys. We just got to eat the popcorn and enjoy the show, all right? And to pivot back to uh, Star Citizen, uh, not really Star Citizen, but maybe another uh, crowdfunding game I want to talk about. A uh, bit of a, I, I want to say a bit of a piece on, on Chronicles of Lyric, because I know you mentioned something to me last week, and maybe you can share that afterwards, too. Sure. But uh, I saw the, the the guys behind Chronicles of Lyria, Soulbound Studios, they updated their wiki, um, showing their timetable for release. So maybe... You can show that to the audience as well, because Chronicles of Lyria is one of those another crowdfunded game that's had a lot of hype behind it. And that's look at their release schedule, right? Take a look at that. Uh, okay. What do we and got? once I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember seeing I don't remember seeing anything like that on their Kickstarter page. Look at that. Look at their Kickstarter page. And I actually read this a couple times to make sure, like, we're we're on the same page. And nowhere here does it say 2020 release date for this game. It's just 2016, fact, 2017. Yes, that's their estimated delivery date was 2017. Yeah. And this Kickstarter page went up in uh and it talking about a bit of dishonesty in the in the crowdfunding space. I know this was maybe a better discussion for our do you trust crowdfunder um, weekly raids, but do you don't you think it's unbelievably disingenuous and extremely dishonest to launch a Kickstarter page with a 2017 delivery date and then have your and then update your uh your release schedule on your wiki to 2020. Uh, that just seems insane. There, there is no mention of 2020. In fact, there is no mention of a release date beyond the estimated delivery date on the Kickstarter page. There's literally no mention of it. 
I mean, this is part and parcel for this for this uh, segment, isn't it? I see. It just seems they usually mention like, oh, we'll have a beta on this day and like some kind of like release day, some kind of goal, which they don't even do on this page. And what makes this one, I think, exceptionally disingenuous is the fact that I, I read this again and they really mentioned like they they, they they go to great lengths to show like how much they've done with the game and they kind of they wanted to kind of separate that we're not just an idea we're we're basically a game that's in development already and they said that we weren't even gonna we weren't even, we weren't even gonna start a kickstarter page until we've already had a playable demo and that they, they showed off back in packs in like 2016 and from then to now it doesn't seem like much has changed but the basic thing, we had a playable demo, so maybe they were trying to emphasize that estimated delivery of December 2017 was accurate. Like maybe like the game would be out by then, is maybe what they're trying to say with the estimated delivery. But that just seems like unbelievably disingenuous that you can say that your game is you know, estimated delivery December 2017, and now their their Wikipedia says they're going to launch in 2020. And, and that's probably going to be pushed back too. Oh, I don't think this game is ever coming out. Uh, I yeah, think, I don't either. I, this game is going to be. I, I think this game is never happening. Yeah, this is personally. this is vaporware, baby. Uh, here's like his his hint one that it's not coming out. First of all, I expect all these games to be delayed, right? Because they don't know how much time it takes to make a game. That's like normal Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, You know the old saying, um, under promise, over deliver? That's like to be a good like salesman or employee or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Kickstarter takes the opposite view. You got to over promise and then under deliver. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But uh, more to that. So if you follow their development um, schedule here, here's something they're very proud of. It's the number one item on their list. Website 3.0. Who cares? What the what? What is 3.0 for a website? You you updated your website? Like why is that like a why is that on the schedule for your web game? Who cares? Like wh- that's not the same thing as a, as a game. So uh, that's number one. And number two, um, they're really really anal. I'm actually kind of rooting against this company now. It's the first. I'm not even I'm not even rooting against Star Citizen, despite all the shit I give them. Okay, I'm not rooting against it because that's kind of stupid. Why would you root against a game, right? But, yeah. but Chronicles of Valeria, I am now rooting against. We have a secondary uh, YouTube account where we re-upload trailers, game trailers, right? Uh, and we've we've uploaded game, tra- we've re-uploaded game trailer from Blizzard, from EA, uh, from every studio, big or small. You know, wow, we got all the WoW cinematics re-uploaded on YouTube. I know they're available, but we still re-upload them, and we get a few views that way, right? No big deal. And just and just have them all in one place for us to easily, you know, access to. That, that there's yes. a benefit of cataloging them in one place for us. That's yeah. why we do it. And actually, that that benefit actually came up today. I I, I mentioned um, Rising Thunder, a fighting game that got bought by Riot Games. I mentioned it in an article, and I linked to it. But uh, the official YouTube channel for that game is shut down now because the game shut down. But luckily, mm-hmm. I had re-uploaded the trailers at the time when the game was up. So we still had them because uh, we re-uploaded them. If we didn't do that, we couldn't use that content for our news article. So anyway, I, I uploaded a chronic, official Chronicles of Valyria trailer. Um, I you know the game name was Chronicles of Valyria. It linked to the game page, which links to the main page of Chronicles of Valyria. So it's free advertising for Chronicles of Valyria. They mm-hmm. issued a copyright strike and took down that video. That's they're, they they're the first ones to do that since we run the site. Not WoW, not Blizzard, not EA. Not Ubisoft, no other company, big or small, has basically slapped slapped our hand for giving them free advertising. Like what? A, and and to add icing to this douchebag move, Mark, do you have that email? Uh, that? Yeah, let me, let me let me get that email. Okay, and that's fine. You know, whatever. It's they they obviously have the legal right to do it. You know, it's kind of an asshole move for free publicity. I'm not going to mm-hmm. give them any good publicity from now on. But then they then they took it to the next level of like just douchiness. No, 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 let me send it to you. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'll put a screen. I, I can put it on. Um, 
just, I don't want to show their email, so let me hide the email. Just, you can just copy and paste the text into like uh, Discord or something. I'll just read it. No, all right. I'm putting it into uh, into Twitch chat as well. Okay, so you guys get to and see the podcast as well. I, I, I hit the email, so I'm not going to see the guys. Email. All right, so greetings. This email is to inform you that we've issued an, and executed a takedown notice for content on your YouTube channel. While we appreciate the coverage, there's a certain order of operations that wasn't followed regarding usage of our content. However, I'd like to open up a conversation with you regarding content for your website. This isn't quite the email to start an open dialogue, but I'm hoping we can right the ship, smiley face. Okay, so after after issuing a takedown, which by the way, if you get three, your account gets shut down. So it's just mm-hmm. they didn't like email us ahead of time and just give a heads up. They did this. This was their this was their opening move to to uh, make a partnership with us and you know help us you know help us you know promote their game. Leverage each other's channels. Yeah, what bullshit? All right, these guys are douchebags, and. We used, Omar and I used to run MMO Hut, as you guys probably know. And there was, in the whole time we ran MMO Hut, we did the same thing. We up, re-uploaded trailers. And there was only one company that asked us to take down a trailer. And remember, they asked nicely. They didn't issue a copyright strike back then. And that was Nanovore. I don't know if you guys even know what Nanovore is. But actually, I remember them. They, they don't have to ask nicely, by the way. If they just ask us to take down, we're going to take it down, yeah. right? There's no problem. It's their, we, but we recognize that it's their content, their copyrights. So there's no legal argument. 100% will take it down, and it's no big deal, right? But just I do agree. They're getting, they're getting free publicity from us, and we did it to, again, catalog all these videos. And in the future, these videos sometimes become inaccessible. And just having them in one place makes it more convenient for us. Yeah, and, and back to back to so one other company did this before, back in the MMO Hunt days, and that was a game called Nanovore. And like I said, they didn't issue a strike. They asked us nicely in a message to take it down, and we did. But I, And I said to them, why, first of all, why do you want me to take it down? It's free publicity. They said, well, you know what? You're right, but we own the copyright, so please take it down. I said, okay, I'm taking it down, but you're making a mistake, and with this attitude, you're not gonna, this game is not going to succeed because you have the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't respond to that. And like, like a couple months later, Nanovore shut down. I bet nobody remembers it anymore because uh, they just basically refused free publicity, just like Chronicles of Valeria has. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. I was really mad about this, guys. Sorry. This is my rant. Fuck Chronicles of Valeria. I, I mean... I- I, I was always pessimistic on it. I don't know if I'm, I'm actively oh, rooting against them. Fuck. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, again, I, I don't know if I'm rooting against them <laughs> because the concept of Chronicles of Valyria is still really cool. If, I mean, if you've seen their Kickstarter, their videos, it's a cool concept, as is Ashes of Creation. I, I still think it's kind of still to root against them actively. No, I'm rooting against them. I feel them. like the concept is, is really cool for the game. I would love to have a game like Chronicles of Valyria. However, I don't like to shill their content because it just seems like... It does seem like vaporware in terms of being able to deliver what they've promised. I mean, uh, they only have a couple million dollars to work with, and the guy that made the game, the, the studio, Mr. Walsh, he, he ran a search engine marketing company. I don't know how much he clearly has no experience making video games at all, but he's, now he's going to make this revolutionary MMORPG. It just seems kind of far fetched, and I, I mean, I recommend you stay away from that one. Yeah, and this uh, this trailer you guys are not seeing right now is uh, you could have been seeing some uh, pre-alpha progress update. For Chronicles earlier, but you know they took it down, so so now you can't see it. There it is. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them, boys. All right. I mean, we should talk about another game too, uh, because throughout the this podcast, by the way, you've been seeing on Nimbus.com uh, ads plastered on Nimbus.com for Wildbuster Heroes of Titan. So take a look at that bad boy. Maybe, maybe uh, click into it and go to their Steam page. All right, so you can I'm, see the video. I'm gonna click the ad, boys. This is something you should be doing. Every day on the website, by the way. <laughs> we actually don't get paid on clicks on, on those ads. But uh, these guys are advertising with us, so I mean, might as well talk about them a little bit, too. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> actually, I'm kind of going to talk. I'm, I'm talking a little bit of shit about them because, really? you 
just let you guys know, you know, if you advertise at MMOs.com, you don't, you don't buy good publicity. We're, we're honest. We keep it real, all right? Have you played you this? Buy, yes, I have. Okay, okay. So, you know, just because you buy ads from us doesn't mean we're going to praise your game. In fact, I'm going to say a lot of, you know, shit about Wildbuster. This game has no business being buy to play. It costs $20 to play, by the way. So it's an MMORPG that costs $20 to play. You know, I mean, that's not necessarily so bad. But the problem is it's, it's really just almost like a... It's basically the, the PvE game mode in Master X Masters. It's literally the same thing. You play with this top-down MOBA camera angle, and it's some persistent elements. So maybe think of a Master X Master PvE game mode mixed with Closers or Dungeon Fighter Online. That, that's what Wildbuster is. But because it costs $20, who in the right mind is going to pay $20 to play this relatively unknown game? It's not even about advertising. It's just that nobody's going to spend $20 on this. There's so few players online. Yep. It just it just seems bizarre to me that you can launch a buy to play game and not like and expect people to play it when you're this obscure MMO with doing this gameplay style which is not unique anymore either. Again, MXM did it and it didn't work. It just I don't know what they're thinking. And the game wasn't bad, honestly. Like, oh. but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good. Well, it wasn't, I, mean, I want to stop. Yeah. I want to stop your hate train for a second. All right. Okay. Is this is this one of those tricks where it's only twenty bucks during early access and it's free when it comes out? No, I think it actually costs. I think it's, it's straight up costing twenty bucks. So they're oh. not going. They're not going to get rid of that. Like no, if, if they did, I, I would. I, I, I let it. I, I let it slide because closures did the same thing. Yeah, and so did uh, so did Battle Right guys, and they were they honored their thing. You know, Battle Right was um twenty bucks during early access, and you know a year later, it's free. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Good job. So um, Wild Buster, uh, Omar says your game was okay. It fills a niche now that MXM shut down. So go free to play. And actually, um, just just to clarify, this is while final pricing has not been decided yet. Early access packages will have several in-game bonus items. The benefits that will not be in the commercial version, and the price is likely to go up at release. Okay, so what? I guess they said they said that what final pricing has not been decided, and but the price is likely to go up at release. It's kind of you know nudge you to buy it. Right? It's like it's like blackmail. Buy it now. <laughs> buy it now. Buy it now. Where the price is going up. But like, look, the game isn't the thing. Is, the game isn't terrible, right? But like, you, it's so weird to see so many like meh games launch because I don't think there's room in the market for a meh game. There just isn't, right? Because we're talking about how many, how much more fragmented the MO industry is. There are so many MMORPGs today and so many choices, so many free-to-play choices. And if your buy-to-play $20 title is literally just worse than like free-to-play games, there's there's plenty of free-to-play similar, you know, style games that are just, you know, they're just better. It just seems kind of silly. You know, watching this trailer, it mm-hmm. really does look like Master X Master to me. Yeah, it plays like Master X Master 2 and like, a lot of the abilities are non-targeted, but weirdly enough, there there were actually a lot of abilities that were targeted that you just couldn't miss. But mm-hmm. the way MXM PV worked is you have basically to aim everything in the game, which is actually really cool. I mean, it's just maybe a more expanded take on the the MXM PVE game mode, but it just I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to succeed as a as a, as a buy to play game. I do think it's fun that they're kind of including a few uh, characters from like other games. Like I see uh, Serious Sam and and Duke, and Duke Nukem, Nukem and Duke Nukem here. But I mean, I'm, were they wondering that like maybe if they got Duke Nukem, like they're gonna have millions of people rushing to play this game? Is like, are there fans of Duke Nukem out there still? Dude, I'm. I just st- feel like I'm still a fan of Duke Nukem, right? I feel like Duke Nukem is like a meme. It's not even like what I mean, we played Duke Nukem like some of the PC games as well as the N64 one. We played yeah. the N64 one quite a bit, I think. And you know, whatever we had fun with, but I, I don't know. It, I, I don't think it's really a franchise that's gonna be like, oh guys, holy shit, did you see Duke Nukem is in Wildbuster, guys? Bust out the credit card and take it ASAP. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke Nukem is dead. Exactly. This is like such a. You might as well like. I don't know. It seemed kind of silly to put that in there as a selling point. But regardless, you know, they bought some ads on MMOs.com. God bless. God bless their hearts. And if you want to play it, click through that MMOs.com. They can buy it there. But again, I don't think you're gonna buy it. But hey, you got that 
there's, there are Steam refunds too if you want to you know, try and see if it's that's, up your alley. That's true, guys. Don't be afraid of uh, the refund. I actually used a Steam refund for the first time, like last week, and mm-hmm. it was very easy. Uh, one page, like, you just, well, why do you want a refund? This drop down menu, you can put your own reasoning in, and boom, you get your money back. Now, it, but that system isn't meant for like trialing games, is it? It's supposed to be like there's a technical issue with the game, or it was like not what you expected, you felt misled. I, I don't think it's meant to be a free trial, though. I would not say you should abuse it. I don't know the, the way the system works, actually. I've never actually had to use it. For me, I actually was having technical issues with the game. And oh, I, and of I, course. And of I, course. I, no, I was. And then I wrote, I wrote that as a reason in the other, and they didn't like send me an email or follow up. They just gave it to me. But obviously, I think most of the time, they automatically just give you the refund. Yeah, but if your account has like a million refunds on it, they're probably not going to, you know. Yeah. Just do it for you. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them, but I just don't think there's, there's room in the market for like an okay buy to play more RPG. I mean, maybe like, you have better chances than an okay free-to-play game, but even an okay free-to-play game is just not going to make it. It's not going to cut it. It's just how many choices people have. And the Steam ratings don't seem terrible. It's got positive and decent ratings here. All right. Well, I mean, the peak today is 66 players, which is less than our current viewer base. No, never a good sign if your game has less viewers than uh, players than our podcast. <laughs> Look at the. Well, I mean, one of the complaints on this game too is, um, what do you mean you sell packs on Steam that increase backpack space and storage size? So now another argument: the game is a buy-to-play title, right? But now it's got a cash shop that sells you, they nickel and dimes you. You know, I think I think big consensus is if you charge money for your game, you know, people don't want to deal with the nickel and diming. Oh, well, they're they're taking a page from Black Desert's rulebook. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Desert has a pretty extensive cash shop, despite. Uh, being a buy-to-play game, mm-hmm. so that's that's the future, baby. And actually, what's funny is actually this guy said, um, "Enchanting in the game is flawed. If something is a seventy-five percent and you fail twenty-five times in a row, it's mathematically impossible." I don't think this guy knows what mathematically impossible means, because just because you have a seventy-five percent chance to succeed, you can still fail twenty-five times in a row. I mean, yeah. that is a mathematical possibility. You could fail a thousand times in a row, or even a million times in a row. It is very unlikely. Yeah, it's pretty funny. This guy doesn't know how math works. <laughs> Maybe that's why you paid for this game. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. I mean, look, look at the advertising with us. Uh, I mean, I did a first look for them. I mean, I, we keep it real. Listen, I, I just don't think I think it's a pretty. I think it's an okay game. I just think there's market. There's room in the market for okay games. All right. So cool. Hopefully, cool. the advertisers don't listen to us and they keep they, they extend that advertisement contract and give us another week of advertising with them. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you miss MXM, uh, you don't mind paying twenty bucks, give it a shot. And actually, people did tell me they enjoyed the PV in MXM. And, and, and to be fair, it was a little bit different, at least. You know, the whole mobile-style top-down camera in PVE was a bit different. So it's, it's a smidgen different from other games. Oh, uh, I quickly want to talk about PUBG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know our weekly rate was about consoles, and PUBG, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, launched on Xbox a few days ago, and it sold a million copies in 48 hours. What do you think about that? I think this game is going to make it to the top, like, Top five most sold games in history, I think, at this point. Definitely, it's gonna be up there with Minecraft and Mario and Pokemon and Tetris in terms of like best, yeah. most selling units. Yeah, I, I mean, so. people they do a lot of problems with PUBG on console. I heard the frame rates kind of suck. Yeah, the, uh, apparently the stability is even worse than PC. Which, by the way, you know, consoles are just shitty PCs, IMO. So I'm not surprised. But I, it hasn't stopped them from selling. And I, you know what? I don't think people care if there's a little bit of stutter or lag. If the, if the game is fun. If it's if, if everyone also with, at least with console, everybody's on the same console, right? It's not like somebody has a 1080 Ti uh, graphics card and someone has a shitty graphics card. If everyone's on Xbox, that means everyone has a chance to lag. So you can't like say someone else has an advantage, right? It's the same. It's the same mm-hmm. console. So I think I think it. Think of the lag as a part of the game. Like they they drugged everyone before they jump, you know, threw you off the plane. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> 
Now, my PUBG transcodes have not been open value lately. They've been, they've been stagnating around 500, unfortunately. So that oh, investment's no. uh, been stalling. However, you know, I'm still up quite a bit, so I can't really complain about that. But they've been, they've been, they've been stagnating lately around 500. All right. Uh, any? Oh, mentioned okay, Rising Thunder is big news too. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. All right, what do you got for me? So, so Rising Thunder is this fighting game that was bought out by uh, the company that made the game, Radiant, Radiant Entertainment, was bought by Riot Games. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a fighting game. They, they shut the game down. I think I think a year ago they post, a year and a half ago they posted on Twitter that the game is shutting down, and that basically Riot Games bought the game, bought the company just for hire the employees that way. It's called Aqua Hire. So literally a year and a half later, since the game shut down. They posted a little Christmas present on the game's uh, subreddit, basically saying that you know there's still fans of the game out there that want to play it, and that because of that they decided to whip together a community edition of the game, basically a free-to-play open-source version of, of Rising Thunder, that they didn't have to do. The game was shut down, right? And, and there was no promise of this, and they just come out of nowhere and they they released this this open-source version. They literally make their code free and let the community take over the project and do what they want with it. Which I think is pretty amazing. I, I would have loved to see like some shutdown games follow the same uh, footsteps as, as Rising Thunder, because that's pretty badass. I mean, the game wasn't huge, but it just it's just incredible that they they're going, you know, they they went out of their way to do this. Yeah, and this is for those of you who want to know what the game looks like, uh, you can look at, take a look at the trailer at the bottom that I added, because uh, I actually re-uploaded this trailer, and the official one is down. Uh, so when Chronicles of Illyria fails inevitably. There will be no trailers left for it because uh, they copyright strike people who upload it. Wow. <laughs> there you go. See, when the, when that game is dead, no one's going to remember it, all right? Yep. There'll be no traces left. Maybe that's your plan, you know? Oh. So that way, that way, you know, their embarrassment will not live on. Kappa. Uh, actually, our, this actually reminds me of uh, another story that came out today hmm. regarding Riot Games. Uh, Riot Games might finally earn the plural in their name. Uh, because a new game was announced, not announced, but revealed today. It's called Timo's Adventure. And this is a game that was it showed up on the list of approved video games by the Chinese government. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, So the Chinese government approved the game by Riot Games and Tencent here. Uh, and it translates to Timo's uh, Adventure. So that's pretty cool. We're gonna, And they haven't announced this officially or anything yet, but it is making the rounds online. It does seem legit. I got multiple sources that presumably can read Chinese, telling me that this is uh, indeed a Riot Games title. Well, I mean, it's a brand new game, but you said it was a single-player game, didn't you? I reported that based on what Mr. MMO Culture, Cinderboy, stated. And uh, I think he's Asian, so he can probably read it better than I can. You go to MMO Culture here? It just seems weird that, like, they. I mean, I think we're going to hear something about this soon, because, again, Riot Games actually submitting this game for approval to the Chinese government or releasing a new game is kind of a big deal. Riot Games has been just League of Legends for literally forever. So to actually get approval or you know for their new game, it's going to be covered eventually, and I think Riot will probably make an announcement eventually. But if it's a single-player game, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, it's It, it should lame. be noted. People in chat are mentioning this. They're saying it's a mobile game. Uh, according to what we know so far, it is a PC title. It's a PC game, not a mobile game. And people are speculating what Riot is working on as well. There's been uh, kind of you know, rumblings on their blog that they're working on another game for a while. And actually, the guys at uh, Rising Thunder, back to that story for a second, on their Reddit post announcing the community edition, they said, oh, by the way, we're also working on a new unannounced title. Hmm. And we'll, we'll, there'll be more on that soon. So they kind of took the opportunity to not only release a community version of Rising Thunder, they took that moment to basically say there's a new game Riot is working on as well. So the team that was working on Rising Thunder, this fighting game, is working on a new game. So whether that's a fighting game 
whether it's something else, we don't know. However, you know, I think we were speculating earlier. And between us, I think the the most likely outcomes are probably... We, we thought the most likely outcome was going to be some kind of uh, digital CCG like Hearthstone or maybe even a Battle Royale game. That was our, our you know, our guesstimates based on what's really popular and what they could do with the IP really well. But who knows? Maybe Team... Maybe Timo's Adventure was that game, and we'll learn more about it soon, too. Yeah. Uh, it just seems so weird that it's single-player, but we'll see. What, what, what comes if, yeah, if it's single-player. Until we get official word, you know, it's still speculation, but we do have that screenshot from the Chinese government website showing the games that were submitted for approval. And you can see the there are, there are some red uh, rectangles circling some words with Riot Games on it. So there's definitely... A, I can't read Chinese, but I can read very clearly Riot Games and PC. So yeah. we know for a fact it's PC because it says PC on there. And it's Riot Games. So something's coming out of them in China. Indeed. PUBG Lost Out would actually probably make a lot of money. There were rumors about that last week as well. Uh, that mm-hmm. they, The Tencent wanted Riot Games to work on a PUBG-style game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who know, we don't know if like Riot agreed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just to give, again, give some context of how big League of Legends is, I think we wrote um, an article a while ago. I think how many concurrent players League of Legends has. They say they have 100 million monthly active. Unfortunately, that doesn't give us numbers on, on daily active. But probably, uh, you know, at least 3, 4 million. Game is huge. Only game they can come, kind, of, kind of come close to it is probably uh, PUBG right now. There's a uh, another game coming out early next year. Uh, they, they actually just announced their uh, release date recently. Have you heard of this game? Have you been following? Uh, it's called Sea of Thieves. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's by... Um, it's by uh, Rare, I believe. The guys who mm-hmm. used to make uh, Banjo Kazooie and all those kind of games. Mm-hmm. And I, this is this is an interesting one. I think it's going to be part of my like you know. I actually I think 2018 will be the year of the console MMO, and this is kind of like one of my. This will be one of the first tests, I guess, of the year. This is coming out in March, uh, March 20th, 2018. It will also be for PC, so it'll be PC and Xbox. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it looks fun. It, it, it looks like a pretty cool co- no, co-op style game. Yeah, yeah, fun. And, open to you know wide audience uh i don't know i the, the console um the fact that it's coming out for console and pc at the same time means i bet they made concessions for the console version that are going to infiltrate the pc version so that kind of makes me worry but i will give it a shot i speak of games launching as well i mean we kind of have to mention probably one probably the world's most successful video game launched uh today today you know yeah in, in america at least in america a game uh, called uh, um, Honor of Kings, also called in the West Arena of Valor, just launched into pre-launch or early access, but you know some soft launch rather in North America. And actually, we don't have the news right now on MMOs.com, but I will be putting it up after this podcast. But uh, it's just to give you some context on this game. Uh, I did a first look for it actually on the on the Asian version. I've actually played the English version on the European soft launch, but um, it's basically League of Legends Mobile. It's not, it's not called League of Legends Mobile, but it's it's a MOBA that looks very much like League of Legends with your own roster of characters. And it makes uh, about $400 million a month in China. Wow. $400 million a month. Let the number sink in for a moment because it is absurd. League of Legends is the most uh, highest revenue generating PC game in the world. It makes about $1.8 about $1.8 billion last, last month in revenue. It was by far the highest grossing game on PC. And now this game makes about $435 million a month. If you annualize that, it's going to be over $4 billion a year. It'll be more than it's more than twice as popular as League of Legends, despite only being available like fully launched right now in China. They did a soft launch in Europe earlier, and now the North American soft launch just happened as well. And this is kind of a big deal. I mean, for I mean, mobile games have made a lot of money. I mean, we we, we wrote I think earlier that uh, Clash of Clans makes a billion dollars a year. But this is 
four times that. This is in, this is the most successful video game in the world, like already. It, it is insane how successful this game is, and people in the West just haven't really heard about it just yet. But it just launched. I think the game is actually pretty fun. I don't like mobile games. I really don't. But this is a game I actually played for fun on my really? own, literally for fun. Yes, okay. I played the the Europe the the the, the, the European version. I think it was the UK version. Appreciate the bits, Mono. And I've played at least like 10, 20, more than 20 games already, actually. But now that the NA version is out, I'm going to go download that one and probably play it after the podcast. Do and you, no, they weren't paying me either. Do you think um, console, I mean, excuse me, PC players will have an advantage with this one, or is it about equal, whether you're playing on PC or your phone? You could play this on PC with emulator. Yeah. I don't know, because they, there is a PC client in China, which basically just uses an emulator to play the game. I, I don't think it's a big advantage. I think the game you can play pretty efficiently. Okay. On, uh, on, on, you know, it's not like an FPS game where it's twitchy. Where yeah. playing on emulator is a big advantage. But the game is actually pretty fun. Uh, I recommend if you like MOBAs, to give it a try. Honestly, like I'm not going to say, you know, I don't recommend a lot of mobile games. I think if you like MOBAs, you give this one a try because again, it, just 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 to see what the most like if a game can make forty million dollars a month, at least see what it's about. You know, see what the craze is about out of that curiosity. Well, uh, I know I'm gonna Mono, it too. Mono made a, an interesting point. He asked if uh, with the whole console and uh, MMOs becoming bigger. Will Nintendo Switch see a MMO release? And the answer to that is yes, actually. Uh, in fact, um, Fantasy Star Online 2 has already announced <laughs> that they're making a Switch version but, but in Japan. So we don't know if this will come to America or the rest of the world yet. It, it, it's not going to, I don't think. I don't think so either, but it does prove that it's possible, obviously. Uh, Nintendo Switch will get a, fir- a full-scale MMO uh, probably next year. Free-to-play. There you go. You know the PSO2 English website finally shut down like this month. You know, it, it's yeah. been it's been up there unupdated for like years, and they finally took it down relatively recently. So it's not going to happen in English. But I don't know. It's it's still bizarre that this game never came out in America. I mean, we've had so many like absurd, obscure rather like MMORPG launches in the West that just fail and flop. But this PSO2 game actually makes a lot of money. If you look at the, I know we covered this before, but on the Sega earnings report, which they're a public company, they actually list. PSO2 is one of their highest range revenue generating games. It's one of the most successful games Sega has, period. And despite that, they didn't bother launching it in the West or even licensing it in the West. It makes so much money in Asia that it is absurd that they didn't launch it. Like, It's not like people want to play it. People, I think people in the West would try it. It's actually a pretty fun game too. Like, it's not... We've had so many shitty free-to-play games. We've had so many shitty MMORPGs in the West. It's one of the better ones. So but why not release it? It might be smart, though, because, yes, you're right. A lot of games do end up coming here, but that doesn't mean they make money. For example, I did an uh, editorial earlier this year on Nexon America. Nexon mm-hmm. America, guys, has, has been bleeding money since they started making uh, publishing games in America or in Europe. So Nexon is... It's every... obvious why. Why? Basically, they... They, they, they pissed away all that money they made on MapleStory and everything else. Like If Nexon America shut down every game but MapleStory, they'll make money. Maybe. But if you look at that chart that they're bleeding money in, like it, it, the, the chart looks pretty good when it, it was just MapleStory. And, and they keep releasing new games and keep shutting them down. But they're their Nexon own games. Nexon shut down a lot of but, games already. But they're mostly their own games. So like, what are they like? I mean, they advertise, they, they, I mean, they, they localize them. The advertising cost and the cost of customer support running those games. You know, apparently customer support is very expensive, remember? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, so again, I don't, so maybe, uh, don't, here's what I'm trying to say. Maybe Sega did the homework and they realized the number of players who would play in America. Just license it. Area Games will pick that shit up in a heartbeat. They pick up everything. Well, and ru- try it. Area Games is just going to ruin the reputation of, of Sega. Uh, maybe. Like maybe. It, maybe it'll hurt the PSO2 brand. A who big knows? company like Sega doesn't want to license to a, a shitter company like Aria. 
No, you're right. But if they don't, if they have no intention of releasing it, and and it's not gonna, no matter how much they shit on the brand in America with a PSO two, it's not gonna ruin the reputation in Japan. Like the, the Japanese players no, aren't looking no, at no, area no. games. It's gonna ruin Sega's reputation in America. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, not fancy. Uh, I think they make money on it general. Or or at least better idea. They already had a they had a Southeast Asian version for a while, which I think shut down. They had an English. Uh, they, the game was already in English on the Southeast Asian version, but they had IP blocks. Why? Why not just let the Southeast Asian uh, publisher just have non-IP blocks and they'll make money off the American players, and then Sega will get a piece of that? Maybe, yeah. That, that just seems silly. Again, I feel like they're denying. Like, so many people do want to play this game. It's actually a good game, but they can't because most people don't want to jump through the hoops of playing on the Japanese server. I don't know. It's, it's some baka business. Well, uh, uh, let's see. Koreans didn't give bless to Arya. Sega wouldn't do that. Lol. We're not sure which way that went. It might have been Arya who said we don't want bless. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know. But, but bless is coming to Steam uh, next year. So we are. I am looking forward to that one. That's a, yeah. I'm, I'm hyped for that one for sure. And bless was actually a fun game. I think so. If they can release it without the optimization problems, it'll be a good one. But who knows when that's actually going to come out? You know, we, speaking of games coming out too, uh, there's a bit of news this last week about Air. A bit of uh, maybe too optimistic news. But if you looked on Games Press, uh, it's a resource that basically connects uh, game companies with websites like Most.com. So we get press releases from them. Uh, they have a page for Air already, and on that page for Air, they mentioned that um, the release date is is uh, first half 2018. Yep. Do you think that that's any chance of happening? Yes, I do. Hmm. I think uh, I think the Stepar actually has some good air videos uh, on YouTube. Basically, the game looks very playable. I mean, it looks about as far along. What is search? Uh, I link to the air page if you want to look at it. Yeah, I think he had one where he does like forty minutes of uh, gameplay here. There we go. You, the, the, the game is playable for sure, but it just yeah. seems like um, it, that's very optimistic. First quarter is six months, don't forget. First half. First half is six months, right? Yes, but remember, if you look at this page, it says the publisher's Kakao Games. Yeah. That means that the English version is coming out in the first half, 2018, because Kakao Games is not the Korean publisher. Yes. That's is true. it specifically? So do you really think that this Korean game, which, by the way, the developers themselves, Bluehole Studios developers, have said that the first beta will be available in South Korea in Q1 2018. Mm-hmm. The first beta, which would be some, some first like closed beta. So they're going to go from closed beta in the, in the first quarter of 2018 to an English release within like like five months? Well, if all they do... Okay, because remember this. Um, first of all, I believe... I hope in, it happens, by the way. I'm, I'm rooting yeah, for it, but... I believe in Kakao because they made Black Desert, right? Or they published it. Well, they did publish it. Blue Hole is the developer yeah, of this yeah. game. But here's the thing. Kakao knows what they're doing. They're fast. So if you remember Black Desert, the little spirit you had spoke mm-hmm. in Korean. They didn't actually like yeah. translate that. So it, uh, with Air... If they just translate the text, like the quest text and stuff you guys are seeing now, if they just translate that stuff but keep the voice acting in Korean, I mean, you can bang this out in like a week, right? Like, what do you, you know, give the give the priest the three holy waters you found. You know, that's it. But then assume the game comes out in Korea in like, uh, the, you know, remember, all we know is the, the developers have specifically said the first beta in Korea is Q1 2018. They, they didn't even talk about a release date in Korea. But now they have this blanket, like this this broad release date for, for the English version. Maybe this is the first half 2018 for the Korean version. That's believable. That, that, that's probably going to happen. I don't know. I just feel like. I mean, I hope it happens. It'd be yeah. great to see a blessed launch that quickly. And the, I mean, the, people have already made videos for this game already, so it is it is playable in Korea. Yeah. Um, one complaint I saw, and a few people in chat are kind of airing this. 
the gameplay in Air looks very, very traditional fantasy Korean MMORPG. Like we're mm-hmm. watching Stepar level 10 Assassin doing the main uh, story quest here. And basically, it does look slightly prettier than, than, you know, obviously more games from the past. But it basically plays like everything we've seen, right? Like it's not, like the, the gameplay is not really blowing me, blowing me away here. No, uh, actually, Cry made a good video on this as well. If you want to see uh, Cry's thoughts on this on his YouTube channel, and he actually mentioned that the game uh, looks a lot like Bless. Everything from the from the the world to the to the UI to the movement, yeah. and that's a really good point. Actually, it looks very much like Bless, which is a bit weird. But yeah, it's well, they're both. Similar. Don't forget they're both made on Unreal Three. Mm-hmm. There's a Bless and uh, Air, which by the way is is a uh, Astral. What was it? Astral Realm. There you go. Okay. So the both games are Unreal 3. Um, so they're going to look and play very similarly, I think. Um, even like the mm-hmm. backgrounds look the same. Dude, the maps, the yeah. UI, the look, look at the, just look at this game looks so much like Bless. Yeah. He even said like they, they must have used the same engine or something, possibly. They did. I mean, they did use the same engine, but they didn't have the same assets. Both, uh, you know, NeoWiz is, is, is a distinctly different company than, uh, than, than uh, Bluehole. I mean, maybe. To recoup some of that sixty plus million they wasted making Bless, you know, in the development budget, maybe they licensed the their their whatever they made to uh to Blue Hole as well. Because again, these look unbelievably similar, more so than like a lot of things. Yeah, and, and I'm getting very blessy vibes. Yeah, and, and with that said, guys, first of all, the fact that it looks very traditional is not a negative to me. I prefer the uh, tab targeting combat. Like Bless, I thought there was no problem with Bless's combat. Like the the problem with Bless was uh. The optimization, like it just ran like shit. Like, I had like twenty FPS and then ten FPS for some reason, uh, but the combat I was fine with, and just same with yeah. this game. Like I, I got no problem with this combat as long as you know it's interesting and there's you know cool stuff to do. I don't, I don't mind this kind of uh, playstyle. Uh, well, here's hoping it comes out in the first. half. It, it's fine. This game comes out in the first half of 2018. It'll probably come out before uh, before Bless comes out here. That's 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 interesting to think about. <laughs> I think I think they'll come out around the same time. So mm-hmm. comp- com- good competition will will you know first force them to go fast because that's another reason I think Kakao knows they're on a deadline. They got to release this game in America before Bless. If they come out like a month before Bless, they're, they're set. They're, they're uh, do you think? Do you people. think the game will cost money in the West? And they might go with the whole. Uh, I mean, Kakao had a lot of success with Black Desert Online, doing the whole buy to play model. So I mean, we don't know if it's going to be free to play in the West yet, for sure. I think they're going to do what everyone does now. They're going to do the early access, you know, ten dollar, twenty dollar, fifty dollar, thousand dollar, not thousand, like hundred dollar founders pack, yeah. and then mm-hmm. like, and then like two months later, just make go free to play. Yeah, that could work. All right. Uh, we 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 have another action more that launched this week. Maybe get that one out of the way, and then we'll, we'll call it for the podcast. Yep. But uh, closers actually just launched uh, launched today into beta, and that's another game that followed that bullshit model that you were talking about earlier. The game used to cost money in early access. And then the only way to play it was you had to buy the game in early access. But now the game is available for free on Steam. And it's basically another one of those uh, instance dungeon persistent hub style games like you know, DFO, Vindictus, Soul Worker, Critica, and the literally hundreds of other games like this. Yeah, These games aren't bad, but they're just so stereotypical and like it's an arch type of games. My big problem with these uh, this kind of game is not that they're stereotypical or, or arch type. My problem with these games is... Literally for the first, I'd say six hours, you're not challenged at all. It's like a mobile game in terms of challenge. Like you're just going forward, yeah. spamming one button, and you're you know even the bosses, you can just kind of face tank them and just smash them. And we did a we did a grind fast Friday for this, and basically I think we played for two or three hours, and all we did was just you know we smashed through each level. Uh, so that's yeah. unfortunate. 
otherwise, I think it looks cool. Yeah, you know, the art is nice. Um, the music was good. I love the fact that it's modern. Too many games of fantasy these days, so it, it was nice to see. But uh, yeah. so I mentioned that if it's based on other games, it equals clone question mark. And I'm not saying it's a clone. I just said it's very much an archetype. Like it's if you played Soul Worker, you've played DFO, you've played Critica. It's a very specific kind of game design that fits into a very specific mold, where you know exactly what to expect in the first like you you play the tutorial you know exactly what this game is going to play like literally 10 hours from now 20 hours from now 100 hours from now it fits as, and it just feels yeah you have like stereotypical wow like and more pieces as well but even those kind of differ in different ways but these games whether it's critica whether it's closers whether it's soul work they just have this very very specific play style which is identical to, to so many other games in this in this vertical which is why you know they're they're, they're, they're very Cool. No, no, it's formulaic is the word. I like. Very. For, that's that's the word I'm like. Very very formulaic. More so than WoW clones, because I think even a WoW clone, there's so much different about the game, the way the classes dynamic work. You know, it, literally every one of these games have also gender locked classes. They also have you. Know, you don't make a character. You, you don't create your character. You pick a character, whether it's and then that's it. Maybe you can make minor changes to them if that. I don't think you can make any changes to your character in uh, in closers. You just pick a character. Then you can kind of customize yourself with like outfits and stuff. But, you know, you're not making your own character. You're just kind of fitting this mold. They're very formulaic games. Yeah, actually, that's a funny story uh, someone mentioned in the chat. Uh, when you made a character, you thought you were making a female character. But it turns out the I, one you picked was actually a little boy. How does that make you I feel? I got trapped. It's mm. I don't know. It's kind of weird. This, this whole trap thing has become very popular on the internet lately. I mean, it's, it's a lot of animes as well where you're a very feminine-looking uh, character. But it's actually a boy. So I thought I was picking a lolly, like a lolly girl. But it was actually a lolly boy. I got I got trapped. And I actually learned it was a boy, not from playing the character, from literally the, the loading screen. It was like, tip, by the way, did you know, like, this character's a boy? I'm like, whoa, I did not know got that. Got him. I got fucking trapped, boys. Got trapped. Feels bad, man. Rip. All right, well, that's, uh, that's a fun way to leave it. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, sorry again for missing last week. Uh, couldn't be helped. Uh, power went out. So hopefully we'll be here next week and the week after that. So take it easy. Thanks for watching. Later for you too.